His company is less than 18 months old, and yet it's already a multi-million dollar startup. It's one of those inspiring entrepreneur stories, but to fully appreciate the journey he's been on, you have to know how bleak it got at one point. For me, it was I, I, it was such a lonely, dark place that I felt like, okay, there's no one I can talk to about this. No one. It's a raw, real, and ultimately inspiring story with lessons for all of us. Welcome to episode number three. This is the Decide to Lead podcast with Russ Hill. Welcome to it. Welcome to episode number three of the Decide to Lead podcast. I'm Russ Hill. This podcast is for those who aren't yet the person they want to become and for leaders who are looking for ideas and ways to more effectively lead and help other people. My background, by the way, for any of you who are checking out this podcast, downloading it, hearing it for the first time, is I work for a training and consulting firm that develops leaders and helps organizations deliver game-changing results by teaching those leaders how to manage their culture. So to give you an idea, and by the way, I'm super proud of this fact. So three of the organizations that our firm's working with right now are among the Fortune 10 not Fortune 500, not Fortune 100, not Fortune 50, but Fortune 10, meaning 10 of the largest organizations revenue-wise in the world. And I'm super proud of that. And, and so not every company we work with is that large. I mean, we're working with everything. Just to give you an idea, organizations I'm working with right now range from national restaurant chains to defense contractors to um, automakers to manufacturers to food service companies. You've got health insurance companies, hospital systems, tech companies, basically all kinds of different industries. And in these episodes on this podcast, my intent is to share lessons that I have learned or am learning about productivity, self-improvement, leadership development, time management, spirituality. I mean, throw it all in there. If you really want to know basically what this podcast is about is whatever interests me. <laughs> and if some of you download, if somebody out there downloads some of these episodes and someone besides my mom <laughs> and finds this stuff interesting, well, that will be pretty cool. So let's get to episode number three. And today um, is my first interview in this podcast. And there are lots of interviews coming in the weeks and months ahead with, in fact, with some of those leaders of the organizations I was just mentioning. But today, a personal friend and a former colleague and employee of mine, um, we're going to talk with Ken Moskowitz. And and some of the things that uh, you're going to hear about in our interview today are about our experience. When we first started working together over a decade ago, when we were given the assignment, we were part of the team that was given the assignment to lead a turnaround in the media business. And some of the lessons that we picked up taking a very underperforming team and trying to help them achieve very different results. You'll hear lessons also for any new leader or leader that's given a different assignment with a group that's new to them. I think you'll pick up some good stuff in here. Also, what are some pitfalls that you need to avoid when you walk into a team and you're the, you're the, the new leader of that team? We'll talk about that. And then last, in the second part of the interview, you're going to hear a very candid discussion about the challenges of losing your job. And what that does to somebody. And then Ken's going to talk about how he turned that very dark and desperate moment 
into something that's now a fast-growing company, very, very successful company by every, every measurement. And so all kinds of lessons for entrepreneurs or people that are doing side hustles or anyone who ever finds themselves without a job. So tons of different uh, things coming out of this wide-ranging interview between Ken and myself. So the interview, we start off talking about where Ken and I met. And it was when we were both working for a national media company. I had been working in Salt Lake at the time. And our company, our traditional media company that owned television, radio, and internet properties was on an acquisition spree. They were buying up properties. Properties. And this was before the Great Recession. And some of the radio stations and internet sites that they bought at the time were in Phoenix, Arizona. And so I got the opportunity to move from Salt Lake City, where I had spent a decade, to come to Phoenix and help lead this turnaround. These were, in fact, one of the radio stations that was part of the group had been around since the 1920s, one of the very first radio stations when the medium was invented. And it had a storied past. It had, it had, had awesome glory days, but they were in the past. When our company came in and bought these, these media properties, they were underperforming. I mean, it was miserable. The ratings were bad. I mean, they, were, they weren't just bad. They were terrible. And the revenue was way off where it should be. And so the, one of the things that appealed me to this opportunity was one thing was it was a bigger stage. And number two, it was a turnaround. And I had I had been a leader at an organization that was great. And my job was to help make it better. But I had never been given a responsibility for a turnaround, a mess, and to see if I could make it into something that was very successful. And so that that challenge appealed to me. So in our in the beginning of our interview, I, I talk about walking through the doors of that media company, our offices, our new offices in Phoenix for the first time. Ken had been a part of that uh, the, the stations in Phoenix for 10 years. He'd been there for a decade. And so I asked him as we started our conversation, what was it like in those 10 years before the company I was working for acquired those stations and I had the opportunity to walk through the door for the first time in Phoenix. What were those 10 years like? Um, it was like a roller coaster, you know, in, in that industry, there are so many changes and, and there were mergers and acquisitions and we were purchased and sold multiple times. So it was really a roller coaster and, um, you never knew who the next management team was and what they were, what their vision was, or if they even had a vision. Um, we went through one period where we had no vision. And, um, so it, it was a little scary because you just never knew who was coming in to the operational side. Yeah, there there had been numerous ownership changes year after year after year, right? So you, and, and then when when I joined those stations, when I joined those media properties, I represented I came with a company I had worked for for over 10 years, so I knew a lot of their history, but to you all, the team that had been in Arizona at these media properties for a while, we were new to you, and so it was just another owner. Now, in the in the competitive landscape that we were in at the time, describe for people who are listening what what uh, the, the brand we worked for was. I mean, they'd been around for over 70, 80 years. Right. And it was a formidable presence in the market. But at the time where we started working together, that wasn't the case. No, we were we were in the trench. I mean, uh, it, it, the morale was bad. The uh, the product that we had was bad. It, it was not pretty. And I did. You know, I was back in my world doing what I could to to keep the property sounding good and keep the energy up. 
but it was hard. I felt like a lot of times I was carrying the weight of the place. Um, but that's just because of the way I am, the way I'm wired. Um, but it was, it was a really, we were in a hole, a bad hole. Do you remember what, I mean, we've talked about it, but do you remember what the, the management team of that media property told me about you? Because when I came and joined the team, you know, they like any new leader that you, you give the new person a briefing on, OK, here's what you need to know kind of about these teams and that, these departments. Here's what you need to know about a few individuals. Do you remember what they told me about you? Well, I, I had heard now, of course, this is through the grapevine. So it was hearsay. But I had heard that they had given you some feedback on me that I was um, I was not the right person for this job, that I needed to be fired, that I was not um I wasn't a good fit. I was a troublemaker. I, you know, the, again, this is all stuff that I heard for second and third hand from people. Um, and that, you know, I, this was, I, I was not a good fit and that I should be fired. Like I should be one of the first people you fired when you got there. If, <laughs> if, and, and I don't know if that's all accurate, but that's what I, what I'd heard. I mean, it, it, it partly is that they weren't quite that strong. It was, um, Hey, as you get meeting with people and you start, uh, you start getting to know personalities. One of the people you need to know about is Ken. And you're probably going to realize pretty, <laughs> pretty quickly that he needs to go. So they didn't say fire him, but I mean, they said everything short of it. Like, yeah, you're probably going to believe that and you're probably going to discover this. So just go do what you're going to do. And we kind of already know this is this is what you're going to think. You know, it's funny because I, I felt like for me, I put put forth so much effort on a daily basis to try to keep that place alive and to try to keep the energy up and to try I, I i would i would participate and do things and and help departments that just that i wasn't even a part of because i felt such ownership of what i did that i felt like it was my baby it was my property to to take care of and so um, it, I was sad knowing that. Um, and I thought to myself, man, cause I remember when you walked in the first day and I thought, who is this kid Yeah. and what, what is he going to do to fix this place? Because it, it was just, it needed a major overhaul. Um, but I never gave up on it. You know, I never gave up. So even though it was really depressing for me and, and knowing that, um, I had this kind of target on my back and I didn't know why was a little bit concerning to me. But at the same time, I wasn't going to let that hold me down. I was just going to do what I did in my position and do it to the best of my abilities, which is the only way I, I function. Yeah, I think I told you pretty quickly after I met you, I mean, within a few months and correct me if I'm wrong here. I think I told you within a few months, once we kind of got to know each other a little bit, what people had told me. It was at our one year lunch. Okay. Was it really? Yep. Okay. We, we sat down at Postino. We had lunch that day. And that's when you told me. And I was shocked. What I learned in that experience was when you are a leader put into a new situation. So it might be with an organization that you've worked with for a long time and you're promoted to a new department or new area or you join a new organization as a leader. Number one, a couple of things I learned. Number one is don't believe everything you hear. Form your own beliefs. And so it's helpful to hear other people's experiences, but don't go completely. 
completely off of that. It would, I cannot even imagine, those of you who aren't familiar with either of us or, or with the scenario we're talking about, you have no idea how pivotal Ken was in helping turn that media property around. And by the way, it was, a, it was an incredible, it, it was a completely successful, remarkable turnaround that the team we worked with achieved at the media properties um, that we worked at at the time. It was just absolutely remarkable. And if I had believed what I heard, it that, that turnaround would have taken much, much, much longer and might not have happened. That's how pivotal, pivotal a role Ken played in it. And so me not listening fully to those beliefs that other people shared was, was absolutely important. The second thing is one of the things that I did when I came into those media properties is look for people who seemed to share the vision of where we wanted to go and what was possible. And I quickly realized that Ken would be one of those champions. And so what do you do as a leader in that situation? You look for people who share your vision of where you want to take the organization and then you expand their influence. And so Ken, I don't know if you, if, if this was your experience or not, but I, I tried to invite you into every meeting practically Mm -hmm. that I ran. Yeah, I, I do recall that. And, um, and I noticed that more and more you were deferring to me for questions or thoughts and input. And, uh, and it was great. I felt empowered and not, not in power, but I felt empowered to help move the ship in the right direction. And, um, which, which was great for me because my natural tendency is to take charge. And so, uh, it, it was a great time for me because I felt like we were finally putting this, this property back on track. And, uh, and that's all I wanted to achieve is I wanted to see us rise to the top again. Awesome. Okay. So that's one experience that I want to talk with, uh, Ken about today on this podcast. The other one let's dive into quickly. So tell people, I, I know <laughs> this represents years of experiences, so it's hard to put it down into just a, uh, into a couple minutes of, of commentary or discussion, but, um, when and and let's walk people through the story. So I came into the to the Arizona, the Phoenix market um, was was hired to help turn these media properties around. Ken and I and a lot of other great, talented, committed people accomplished that. We we turned those media properties, that group of radio internet uh, inter- radio stations, internet properties around, um, put them in a great position. That took several years, and then we both, Ken, we both left. Um, and so tell people, um, a little bit about why you decided to leave and walk us through that journey. Sure. Um, it, it was for me a very personal decision and I knew that having you as a leader, I would be totally safe having a conversation with you about it. And which was tremendous for me because you were the first, uh, leader in the organization that I felt that I could have that that type of conversation with openly without fear of having my head cut off. Um, for me, it was, I had achieved what I felt I could do there. I, I just didn't feel there was anywhere else for me to go. And I need constant growth. I need the uh, constant momentum. Uh, you know, I think part of it's my, my ADHD that I just am constantly in motion but it was time for me to do something else. And I didn't at that point know what it was. And so you and I went to dinner one night. I remember this night very distinctly. It was December 7th, 2010. And we went out to five guys. And I said, Russ, 
I feel like I'm done here. I feel like I need something else. I, I need to do something else. And and I didn't know what that was at the time, but I knew that I was safe having that conversation with you. How did I react? Do you remember? You were incredible. You were supportive. You said, great, so let's talk this through. What what would you be doing? What would you think you would want to do? And I, and I said, I don't know, but this is what I love. This is what I'm passionate about. And I haven't figured it out yet, but at some point I'll figure it out. And your response from that point was incredible, which was, well, when you figure it out, let me know and, and we'll, we'll go from there. Yeah. And, and the only reason I reacted that way was because of leaders that I've worked with through my career who um, taught me that that's how you respond. Um, you don't hold talented people back. You, you ride that pony, if you will, as long as you can. And then when they're ready to move on, and this isn't true in every situation, but in a lot of situations, you just you, you cheer people on for their success. You let them go where they need to go. Again, not always um, the situation, not, not always appropriate, but in this situation and in a lot, it is. And so you went on and uh, and that had to be that had to be super scary leaving um, where you had worked for at that point, probably 15 years. Yeah. And, um, and so, uh, tell people what you did. So, so I decided that it was twofold. I wanted to start my own thing, right. My own business, but I, I still wasn't clear on that. And, but I knew that I was a brand building person. That's what I did. I built brands and, um, a friend of mine who ran a big computer services and repair company, uh, he and his business partner were looking at that point for someone to help them rebrand and fix their their branding. And uh, we had lunch and started talking about this. And, and it was a great opportunity for me to join them, help them fix what was wrong. And at the same time, I could start building my my other business. And so I went to do that. And I spent two years helping them rebrand when an opportunity came um, again while I was building my other thing. And, and the other thing was going well. My other company was going well, but it was, still wasn't enough to support my family. And at that point, I had there was an opportunity for me to become the creative director of a small agency, creative agency in Phoenix. And I jumped at the chance to become the creative director of this agency. And I was on that job just a few months and the place was a train wreck. It was, there was no management. The owner was a complete jerk, um, did not respect people, was disrespectful to the team, would vacillate day to day on decisions and was just a beast to work for. And I thought, oh my gosh, what have I gotten myself into? And then I got fired. Hmm. And that was the heaviest, darkest day. Like I can, I still feel that talking about it today, the emotion of that moment, because I had never in my career been fired. Like that, that was just surreal for me. And I remember calling, I reached out to you immediately. And I was, uh, if I remember correctly, I was probably in tears, yeah. um, and I was scared because I have five children that needed to be taken care of, that I needed to support a family. And I would do anything to support them. But several friends encouraged me and uh, and you were one of them to just go all in on my other my side business, which was growing still. 
And we had had a big win because the first client we really nailed was M&M Mars with an M&M's commercial. And I took the reins and said, okay, I'm going to do this. And as scary as it was, we had our first client and then our second client and our third client. And I was on my way. And, um, but I never, ever will forget just how awful that feeling was of being fired. That was just a dark, dark day. Yeah, I remember. I remember that phone call. And and for those of you who don't know, Ken, which is the vast majority, of course, of you who are listening, um, what what he's not telling you is of those five kids, he's got kids that he's adopted, foster kids that he's adopted over the years. And and uh, most of them uh, have had some kind of health um, challenge or different um different issues, if you will, or challenges in their lives. And so um, it wasn't just having five kids at home. It was um, having unique situations. And 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 it's one of the things I, I love about him and I respect so much about him is the the opportunities that he gives people, not only professionally, but even as a dad, as a, as a parent. And so, I re, yeah, I remember um, that I, I won't forget that phone call either because and, and I've had other phone calls. I'm sure you have as well from friends who've lost their jobs. And and it's it it just like robs you of all your dignity. Right. Yeah. And all and and it it's and you wonder where where's the next meal going to come from. And and yeah, you have money in the bank and all these sorts of things. But it's it's uh, it's like a judgment. Someone's issued a verdict. And um, and what what I totally respect and and really want to focus on in this podcast about that portion of your story is you fought through that and and tell people. So that was how many years ago was that? Uh, that was in 2012. OK, so we're pushing six years on that and mm-hmm. tell people what you've. So you, you, you landed Eminem Mars, you landed a few other clients, you decided to go all in, which had to be, I'm sure, super scary because yeah. you, you hadn't been an entrepreneur. Now you're building an own biz, your own business. You're not going to work for somebody else. And walk us through the last six years. So that company kept building. I created a media production company. We were doing film, television. We were filming all over the world. We shot uh, episodes for a TV show in Italy. We're building websites for clients. We're, we're doing marketing for clients, hundreds of thousands of dollars a year in campaigns. So the company is growing. And, but, but again, I was starting to feel this like pull. I wasn't super satisfied because I am not, and, and I'll say this super, super clearly, I am not an operations person. I'm a creative person. And so when I had to get when I was sucked into the operational side of things and scheduling production crews and things, it it was like putting a dagger into me. And yet it was my revenue and it was my business. And so I was doing what I had to do to nurture and grow it. And then in 2017, in March, one year ago, something happened that I hadn't expected and the business shifted and it was very simple. Um, a marketer was struggling with ad, a Facebook ad and reached out in a Facebook group for help. And I helped him rewrite this ad on in the comments section of the uh, of the Facebook post. And a bunch of people jumped in and said, wow, I wish I could write an ad like that. And I offered to help anyone who needed help with copy and that weekend, I was flooded with 
DMs and emails saying, please help me with my ad copy. And I thought, wow, this is interesting. People don't know how to write ads. And it shouldn't come as a surprise to me because I've been in the industry so long. But at the same time, I thought, oh, this is pretty easy because for me, writing an ad is like taking a breath. It's effortless. And um, a business was born accidentally out of that helping that one person. And today I run a global copywriting company. Um, we're a seven figure. I mean, we're, it's funny, we're a small company, but we have a big footprint and uh, I'm just as happy as can be. Like, have you hit the one year happy. mark yet? Did you say I didn't? We, yes, we surpassed the one year mark. And um, how long and, ago? Like recently though, right? Yeah. March, March 6th yeah. was our one year anniversary. And um, we are now moving into company headquarters. We're bringing on more employees um, we're just growing and having a great time. Yeah. So, so, I mean, so Ken's business, for those of you who didn't pick this up in what he said, what he does for a living, his company is write ads on Facebook, write ads on Facebook for organizations. And it's turned into a multi-million dollar company in less than 14 months. And uh, I mean, it's remarkable. And you had no idea that you would be doing that, right? I mean, that's how you would be making your living and that you'd be signing leases for office space, hiring employees. You can't you can't hire. I mean, we talk all the time. We talk daily. You're a good friend of mine. And uh, and you can't hire employees fast enough. You had no idea that was coming. None. None. Yeah. And so and it's, it's mind blowing. Yeah. It, 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 and it's fun. It's super, super fun to watch. These are the kind of stories that motivate all of us who have a desire to do something or be entrepreneurs or grow a business or expand an idea or whatever it might be. And so the second part, the story that Ken just told about his career since he left that media company that we both worked for, what, what I what I appreciate from that story is not giving up. The, the dinner he refers to at Five Guys, he was battling in his mind. I mean, it sounds to me, I mean, I saw it, Ken. You were debating, do I leave? I've been here for 15 years. Do I take this chance? And he did it. And great leaders take risks, right? You take smart risks and you, you have to innovate and try different things. And the language I use, and we'll talk about this in future uh, podcast episodes, is jump. You have to jump. And it's scary and frightening, but you have to do it at certain times. And so you jumped and it went well for a couple of years. Then it turned into a disaster Mm -hmm. Um, on that day. You lost your job and the months that you worked for that that company. And then and and there's uncertainty. I mean, how much uncertainty has there been in your life over the last few years? Uh, It's it's been an emotional roller coaster to the point of, you know, in my deepest, darkest moments, and, and I can share this with you because we're friends. Uh, in my deepest, darkest moments, I actually thought, am I worth more to my family if I'm dead? Mm. And, and that's a real dark place to be. And, and, and that's not a place I dwell. And so I, you know, and I knew that it was, it, I, it, it was my mind playing games with me about, okay, you know, how are you going to get out of this? And how do you deal with this? How do you respond to this? But I would just, you know, turn it back around and and pick myself back up and say, listen, you got a lot to do. You've got a you're not done yet. So get get your head out of your butt and go forward. Was that that was that at the time when you lost your job? Oh, yeah. And it it was right after that. It was just like, okay, my how much is my life insurance policy 
You know, if I, if something happened to me, would I be, would they be better off? Like that was a real conversation I was having in my head that, that, and that is so not like me. And I don't know if this is, if I've ever shared this with you. So, um, that's just not like me. And, and I knew it was like, I needed to sit down with someone and have a conversation. And I did, I met with a therapist, talked it through and, and I just realized it was just, it was the negativity and the weight of everything that was on me. And the only thing I needed to do was flip a switch in my head and just focus on moving forward and being positive. Mm -hmm. And um, so I did. So here you are working for a a dirt bag, a guy who doesn't know how to run a company or treat individuals and, and, and a disaster. And it does that to you. Yeah. And um, and and some 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 of us lose our job working for people that we respect. And here you are working for someone you don't even like and don't respect. And, and they terminate your employment and it ends up spiraling into what you just described. Um, and and and, uh, you know, I've had other friends who've lost their job. And I I think they've if they haven't gone as far as you did into that dark place, they certainly got close to it. It's remarkable how 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 dark a place that sends you. It's dark and it's lonely and, and you can't it, – it's hard because you can't really have that discussion with people. Well, yeah. you can, but but it, in this world, it's it, you don't know whether you're safe to have that discussion. And for me, it was I, – I, it was such a lonely, dark place that I felt like, OK, there's no one I can talk to about this. No one. And I, and that's when I knew I needed to have a conversation with someone because it was so out – of the norm for me. So not in my DNA to be in that dark hole. I just knew it wasn't a normal place for me. So, and and so how long did it take you to fight through that? Uh, I had probably three visits with a therapist to talk through it, but over the course of about a month, I was able to, to turn that, turn okay. that ship around. So it was a, an extremely dark month, but it didn't last that long. No. Okay. Yeah. And I think one of the things that I, I would like to, leave for anyone listening is especially if you're if you're an employee looking to make a move or if you're a leader with an employee that you know is on the edge of doing that have that conversation if you if you truly know that your direct the person that you report to directly is is a person you can confide in have that conversation because they will be a cheerleader We're, we we've structured my company this way i i want to see people leave us I want to see people grow and and excel and achieve great things and leave. And what I'd love to do is be in a position to help them get into their next position because I felt like that's that's the best way for me to pay it forward because that's the way you were with me. Yeah, it, it people my, my experience is and it's true for me for the leaders I work for when I feel like they're interested in helping me become my best self or achieve what I'm trying to do in life. And then then I I give to them in a way that I don't I you know, we've worked we, we've worked at places. All of us, everyone listening to has worked at places where you it's, it's you're just a cog in a wheel. You're just you're just making widgets and you're working for an organization that or a boss that. All they really care about is maintaining the status quo there. And for me, and I know for you too, Ken, our personalities are similar in this way. And a lot of people feel this way. I I can't deal with it. I cannot survive and thrive in that environment. So when I start working for someone who I feel like, you know, this is a, this is a champion of me. 
personally, right. this is a person who is championing my, you know, my potential, my opportunity in life. And yeah, they expect me to work hard and help contribute to what this organization is trying to achieve right now. But, but and they they expect that, but they've got, they're genuine and they build a connection with me to where I feel like they they really are invested in me and they get so much more from me. So, um, Kim, before we run, um, I'd love for people to to check out your brand online and kind of see because right now you're you, 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 they know your name, but the brand is faceless and everything else. I think it'd be fun for them to see what you built. And so, tell them where to find you on uh, your, your website and then on Facebook. Sure. So the company is AdZombies, A-D-Z-O-M-B-I-E-S, AdZombies.com. And um, you'll find us there and you'll see all of our zombie artwork. And that's how the company was inspired by watching a Walking Dead episode, the name <laughs> of it. Um, hey, truth, it is what it is. Yeah. And um, I just love it. On Facebook, AdZombies, Instagram, AdZombies. Uh, so it's it's consistent throughout. And um, we have a ton of fun and I love, love what we're doing now. Awesome. Perfect. Hey, thanks for thanks for joining me. Thanks for your time. I appreciate it. That's Ken Moskowitz of Ad Zombies. You can't get more real than that. Everyone has a story, right? I, I, I don't know about you, but I find so much value hearing other people's stories, their experiences. It's actually one of the one of the one of the main motivations I've had in launching a podcast is to share people's stories and i appreciate my good friend ken coming on the business he's created you all should check out it's awesome and i i couldn't be happier for all the success he and his employees and ken's family are having okay a couple of quick things as we wrap up episode number three if you haven't already i hope you'll consider subscribing to this podcast we've made three episodes available for download as we launched and now you'll see from this time moving forward, one, basically one episode come out every week. Sometimes I'll throw in a, a bonus episode, throw something else in there, but generally it'll be one a week. Um, and also, not only subscribe, but it would be wonderful if you would write a review on iTunes and rate this podcast there. Um, that that really helps more people find out about it. And so if you wouldn't mind, that would that would be awesome. The show notes, including links to Ken's company, Ad Zombies, and more about the media company that we were telling you about that we used to work for, all that's available in the show notes at russhill.com slash three for episode three. Russ Hill, R-U-S-S-H-I-L-L, my name, russhill.com slash the number three. You can uh, also, on in those show notes, you can connect with me on social media, and I hope you'll do that. Uh, I'm super active on Instagram, Facebook, and uh, and you can connect with me on LinkedIn through that the show notes as well. All right, everybody, that wraps up episode number three. Thank you for listening to Decide to Lead.